0: Thank you, gentlemen. How many of you here today have a hard time resting? Anybody? I've been having a hard time resting lately. My sleep pattern is a little off. It usually takes me longer than I wish after that uh, daylight savings time to readjust uh, as well. How about naps? Anyone have a hard time taking a nap? So, okay, let's just do it the other way. Who is like a professional napper? And you got any of those in there? Yes. Usually there's a mix. There's a mix. Uh, some of us who have a hard time napping, I want to be a better napper, and I want to be able to rest better than I do. Probably have to learn some things from those people who are able to nap um, better. Usually for me... When I take a nap, it's usually a Saturday or a Sunday. Usually a Friday night to Saturday night or all day Saturday is our Sabbath. Our, our family practices Sabbath on that day. And nap is usually a part of that. It's not always, but oftentimes it is. Um, I, I can't take long naps or else that's going to mess me up later. Uh, it doesn't matter what time of day the nap is. If it's too long, I will pay for it at 3 a.m., the following, whenever that is, or four or something. That's at least where I'm at right now. Um, but I love to take, like, say, a half an hour or an hour and a half rest, right, maybe lie down or maybe lay back on a couch or a Lazy Boy recliner. That also includes about 15 to 30 minutes of maybe sleep here and there. Might be reading a book, um, might be uh, laying in my bed, uh, just trying to re- just relaxing. Um, but here's what I, what's been hard for me, is uh, if I'm told to go rest, I can remember in kindergarten being told it's nap time, there was no way I would be resting. Some of that's personality. I have a personality that likes to be the one giving instructions and not one receiving instructions. There's good parts to that, there's bad parts to that, But rest is really, in general, if you want to get healthier physically, learning how to improve your sleep, like sleep hygiene, I guess is a phrase that they use, actually is a really good part, a component of being able to be a healthier, have more energy type of a person. It's an important part of us. And so it's sort of silly For us to resist it, if you ever resist it. Maybe some of you are like, I don't know why you do that, and you could probably preach the sermon better than me. The phrase, he makes me lie down in green pastures, what we're looking at in Psalm 23, that's the phrase we're going to look at this morning. Um, Last week, Pastor Tom shared on Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I don't have anything that I need outside of what God's provided for me. The next phrase, the next sentence in Psalm 23 is, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And my title this morning is, he lets me rest. I used that translation on purpose. There's a couple of them here. So Psalm 23, verse 2 in the Christian Standard Bible says just that. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The New Living Translation says something similar. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And the message translation is sort of like the personal, kind of like the version, similar version to uh, what Sarah read this morning. You, speaking to God as my shepherd, you have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. I like all of those. What I want to give you the difference is that there's a difference between making or forcing someone to rest... In this context, a sheep, which actually is impossible, as you'll learn this morning. Just, if, if you feel like someone forcing you to rest, you'd resist that. You can't get a sheep to do it either. I'd love to see any one of us try to make a sheep take a nap when it didn't want to. That would be a funny video. Um, it's, when, when, the, when the verse says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's not talking about he forces us to. Although... Life circumstances, if you don't get enough rest and you don't rest well enough, you and I both know that life will cause you to rest, that not necessarily God knocking you on your back, although that could be the case, but your body is meant to get a certain amount of rest, and if you don't get it, we all pay for it. What this is actually talking about is that God makes the conditions so that we can rest in Green Meadows, and so that we can experience refreshment beside quiet waters. So this morning we're going to look at this verse phrase by phrase. First of all, he makes me lie down. And here's what my shepherd does for me and what he'll do for you too. Is he delights to let me rest. Um, if, you've, if you're a parent, you maybe have experienced some of the joy of when your kids rest when you've been wanting them to, but they're resisting. Because we get that from when we're very little, right? Like this little, I don't know why he or she will not rest. Sometimes we don't know why. But it's a delight, not because it just gives us relief. It's actually delight because we know it's good for this little one. Maybe this little one, maybe this little one to rest. Actually, it's what you you sort of as a parent sometimes know, that's what their body actually needs if they could just give into it. I don't know why they're not doing it. God feels that way about us sometimes, too. He loves to see us in a place where we're resting. A shepherd of sheep, a primary part of their job is to do what it takes so that their sheep are able to rest. Sorry, I got a little out of order here. He creates those conditions, and here are, here are the three or four things that a sheep will need in order to actually rest. First of all, sheep will have to be free from fear. It will be impossible for them to rest if there is something they're afraid of, like a strange person, or a strange animal, or a strange bucket nearby, or an odd weed that blew past them. It doesn't matter. It can be a lot of things. But if they have fear inside of them, they will not be able to rest. And a shepherd will do whatever he or she can do to remove what would cause those sheep to still be afraid. Have you seen some videos about fainting goats? They're sort of like, it's kind of like their bodies go into this sort of hormonal chemical response and they get afraid and they go into shock and they, their limbs stiffen and they just like fall over. They're not resting though. <laughs> They're in shock, at least a temporary version of it. Sheep won't rest unless they are free from fear. And secondly, they actually have to be free from friction. Friction, what? Friction, not fiction. Free from friction with other sheep. They're all Fs. Because I'm a pastor, sorry about that. They have to be free from friction. They they pester each other. By the way, I learned this from Philip Keller, who was a shepherd and also was a lay pastor for many years. He was a shepherd for eight years in East Africa. In his book, A Shepherd Looks at the Twenty Third Psalm, it's an excellent read. I'd highly recommend it. You'll gain a lot, and you'll learn some of the things that we have learned along with us, but they pester each other. You know, if you get any group of animals, just about any group, let's just say, of farm animals or people in a group, you know what will happen? A pecking order will develop. I've never raised sheep. I have chickens. That's where the term pecking order probably comes from, because they literally peck each other to figure this out. Now, sometimes the pecking order, there's people that want to be in charge. I'm saying people because it could be people, chickens, or sheep, or whatever. They want to be the ones out front, and they're the ones doing the pecking because they want to assert themselves and get in front. Now, that's kind of the case. Some people, some of you, some chickens, some sheep, they just want to stay out of the way, man. I just don't want to get pecked. If that means I'm like third, fourth, or 25th, I'm cool with that. I'll stay out of the way. But if there's friction going on, they can't rest. It's the same with us. If we have friction with other people, it's really hard for us to rest. What Jesus and the Good Shepherd wants to do is to remove those things. And lastly, actually not lastly, thirdly, is flies and other pests. If they're being aggravated by flies, like there's certain kind of flies that actually just attack the nostrils of sheep. How would you like that? You're trying to rest and you just have flies trying to fly up your nose, and maybe lay eggs in the skin in your nose. That would be horrible. So a shepherd will, a modern shepherd will treat the sheep so that those flies won't be attracted. Maybe an ancient shepherd will bring the sheep somewhere where there's not so many flies. That's actually partly why you have to rotate pastures. Because you know what flies are attracted to in a pasture, right? After the sheep are done eating, and so if you have too much of that around, you need a fresh pasture so there's less flies and less fly eggs. A shepherd wants to free us from the pests, the irritations, the bothers. This isn't like something that will like kill you necessarily, but it's just like you can't stop thinking. Do you have any of those kind of thoughts ever? Just stuff that's irritating, annoying, bothering. You just can't quite get them out of your mind. What a shepherd wants to do, what our good shepherd wants to do for us, is to free us, to allow us to be free from those things so that we can rest. So what's on your list Fear, anxiety, friction, problems, relational challenges. It's really hard to rest when you have conflict or something that's not resolved with other people or just think you're not getting along with the people who matter to you most as well as you'd like to. Or irritations, circumstances, relationship issues, annoyances in life. What's on your list? Here's what Jesus says about them in Matthew 11. He says, if you're weary and heavy laden, and and let me tell you, flies, irritations can get heavy after a while, right? You just, I just want a break, Lord, I just need a break. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. He says later on that it's rest for your souls. So I want to give you something really practical. It's something that I've practiced for a couple of years now. I got it from an app I ran across called the One Minute Pause app, which I use regularly. And it's just one phrase from that. And it's this phrase. I think you can remember it. Just pause. If you're feeling irritated, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling heavy laden, here's how I think you and I can actually experience Matthew 11 in our lives, is just pause and say to Jesus, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. And you leave it with Jesus and you take his yoke which is a yoke of rest on you, me because he delights to give you and I rest. So that's three of the four conditions where a sheep can rest. Let me tell a story before I tell you about the fourth. A couple of years ago um, when we would have guest speakers come in for the couples conference, oftentimes um, Tom and Jean or I or um, Bob and Lila, when they were here, may, might host a get-together with the speaker and wife if, she, if he brought his wife along, and we'd have a meal. Well, we had one of those. Tom and Jean hosted, except uh, Jean had the night off because some of her kids were doing all the cooking and serving, and they're, I can't remember how far back, if it was spouses or significant others or fiancés, I'm not really sure. They're all married now to those people. <clears throat> but they, create, they, they served us a meal. And I still remember that, that meal. I've had more than one meal at Dunham House, but I remember that meal um, in particular, not just because of what we ate, although if I worked really hard, I might be able to recall it. Kind of a little foggy. I think I remember some of it. It was, it was a delightful meal, very tasty, but it was really... The atmosphere was very relaxed. Uh, There were people there that I enjoyed, that we were enjoying each other's company. And the things that had been bugging me, like the flies, kind of faded away for a few hours at least. It was not just a good meal, it was a restful meal. I, I could have left uncomfortably full, but I didn't. I left satisfied. Can you remember a meal like that? A time with people that you enjoy, a relaxed, restful atmosphere, and leaving satisfied, not just with the food, but with the whole experience. It's really what a shepherd wants to give his sheep and what Jesus wants to give you and I. Here's the second phrase out of Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down, and the second half is, in green pastures. Here's what my shepherd does for me and for you, is he lavishly provides for your deepest needs. For a sheep, what a sheep needs is just needs adequate pasture. It needs a sheep, a flock of sheep needs good pasture. Good, like the content is healthy. It has plenty of moisture, which means it would be green. That's why some of the descriptions are lush or a deep meadow. But a sheep can't rest if they're hungry. They need to be full. And when they're full of food, there's the last F, by the way, full of food, free from flies, free from friction, free from fear. When those four conditions happen, a sheep might take a rest, find a comfortable spot on a comfortable piece of ground and say, I don't have anything to be afraid of, I'm not bothering my companions, and they're not bothering me. I don't have flies, crazy, and my stomach is full. And they'll lie down, and they'll take a rest. But sheep can be stubborn. Green pastures are what's best for sheep. But a sheep can be stubborn, as Sarah's story. They might decide for whatever reason, I actually want to keep going over there, to that pasture that has been over has lots of flies in it, and really just has dried up weeds. And because they get their mind set on it, they might just stay over there, not getting nourished, not experiencing satisfaction, not getting rest. And they might follow each other over there. When one decides to stay over there, the others might decide to stay over there. Have you grown up in the faith in the church, maybe this church, and you know where to find spiritual nourishment? You know where Jesus is leading you, but you're kind of wandering around, nibbling up the dried up weeds in the next pasture over? Or are you successful in your job, maybe your career field or some other area of life, and you lean on that success to give you a sense of significance? Or did you get married hoping that that relationship would help you to have the security that you've always desired, but you find out that getting married doesn't make you always secure? Insecurity has followed you into that relationship. Or are you a teen or a young adult bouncing from relationship to relationship, or friend group to friend group, hoping that you might find enough or the right kind of acceptance. Maybe you've experienced all of those in different ways. I am, uh, would propose that three of the needs of the human soul that are deepest are a need for significance, a need for security, and a need for acceptance. And in order for us to have a soul that's nourished and full, we need that, and we can't find it anywhere else but in Jesus. Romans eight sixteen talks about significance. There's a lot of verses you could share on each of these, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children, and if we're God's children, we are heirs. Uh, you you've probably seen one of those Hallmark movies where the girl finds the guy and finds out that he's the prince of a foreign country or is a super wealthy person and didn't know that because he looked like a lumberjack at first or something funny like that. So now she is married to the heir of something. She has all the resources she would possibly need and maybe is going to be given a position in that country, you know, the queen or the princess or whatever. Guys, you and I have been made heirs of with Christ. The one who created the whole universe. It's a lot better than a Hallmark movie, by the way. It's not just like a little island off the coast of France that's kind of made up. It's like the whole universe. You're an heir. can't get too much more significant than that. Security. John 10, which is where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, he talks about the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. By the way, that's what's different between a shepherd who knows their sheep the sheep know the shepherd is they, they know each other well, so they respond well. And I love this phrase, he goes out ahead of them. Isn't that kind? Wherever you go, you have your shepherd who's out ahead of you. That's the sense of security. There's someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind going ahead of you. And later in John 10, he says this, in case you have some other fears, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No matter what comes, there is not a thing or a person that can snatch you out of Christ's hand. Pretty beautiful. And acceptance, John, 1 John 3.1, we started out with a song called Lavish um, on Easter Sunday, and it was partly based on Psalm 23 and partly based on this. See what great love the Father has for us that he has that we should be called God's children, and we are. You have been adopted, if you come to Christ, into God's family. And by the way, just to let you know, in the culture that that verse was written in, <clears throat> Roman culture, it was possible for a father and a mother to make a decision to disown one of their blood children. They could just say, you're a disgrace, you're out, I disown you, you are not a part of the family. Legal adoption was different. <clears throat> If, some, if, a, if, a, if a wealthy Roman didn't have an heir, and it had to, in this society, be, go through a male heir, if they didn't have a son, they could choose someone to adopt as their heir. Except the laws were different, because if you were chosen, if you weren't a child before, but then you were welcomed in as a family, it was against the law to disown a child that you had adopted you could not choose to accept and then reject that child. That's what this that, that's this. You're a child of God and you can never be disowned. You can never be disowned. You're always his once adopted, always adopted. He provides for our needs, significance, security and acceptance. And here's the last phrase of the verse. He leads me beside the still waters. Isn't that a sweet picture, or the quiet waters? <clears throat> Isn't it, you know, some of the things that I use when I need to rest, or, or relax, or just be able to focus, is I play stuff like this, like stream, like an hour of a trickling brook, or waves, or gently falling rain, like I just listen to it to like get all the other sounds out. It's relaxing when I think of the image of being led by still waters or a quiet stream, depending on your translation, I think, I'd like to hang out there. (laughs) You even have an image in your mind. I have a couple images in my mind of being in the Rocky Mountains, and there's not a lot of grass, but every once in a while, the trees will open and there'll be some grass. I think of it like as a meadow. And there's a stream nearby, and I think there's really not much more of a peaceful environment that I could think of. When you think about water, that's one of the other things that a sheep needs, of course, is they need moisture somehow. It doesn't always have to be water. They could actually get a lot of their moisture from the dew on the morning grass. But they do need, they do have thirst, and that speaks of the last action, the our shepherd does for us is that it delights Jesus to provide the conditions so that we can rest, He provides for our deepest needs, and my shepherd and your shepherd leads me to soul satisfaction, where you're not thirsty anymore, where you're satisfied with what he provides. Jesus says this in John 737 to 38. He stood up on the most important day of a festival and he said, "If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If one who believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flowing from deep within, and that speaks the satisfaction that if ever you're thirsty, you always have what you need. Streams of ever-flowing water. That's where Jesus is leading us to. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. Communion, friends, is a moment of rest. We're not doing anything but expressing that we receive what you have to offer us. It's kind of putting Psalm 23, 2 into practice. It's saying, Jesus, you have provided the food that we need, really, spiritually, the drink that we need, and we receive it from you. He's, it's a sort of a remembrance, a celebration of remembering that he's the good shepherd who thought of the, all that we need and provided for it. And like we sh- talked about on, on Easter, he was the Lamb of God who offered his life to take away the sins of the world. He's the one who's our provider. He sustains us. And what we do is we take the bread that represents his broken body, It's like he offers it to us. We can receive that. We take the juice, which represents his blood. We receive that, and it sustains us. And... It was his work that we get to rest in. He lets us rest in him. Communion is really a remembrance of what we can have in Jesus all the time. So let's stand for, uh, actually, you don't have to stand. We'll stand at the end and we'll say Psalm 23 together as our closing prayer. But I'll pray here briefly and then you can come up from the beginning, the front rows, and we'll share in communion and we'll close with the song. Jesus, thanks for being our shepherd. Thanks that you delight to give us rest. Thanks that you delight to meet our deepest needs, that you delight to satisfy our souls with what we want, our hunger and our thirst, that you provide the conditions so that we can rest in you. pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us to do that right now in this moment as we remember how we can have rest in you because you offered yourself on our behalf, your broken body, your shed blood. For anyone who would, believe, put their trust in, have faith in, we can rest in what you've done for us. And we remember that this morning.